0: Disclaimer. The views and opinions of this program are not necessarily those of the New American Magazine. They're submitted for your entertainment and consideration. You should consult your doctor before considering expending too much strenuous energy on these controversial subjects. If you don't have medical authorization, consider this invitation as your permission slip for independent thought. Welcome to Under the Iceberg. Hosted by Daniel Natal. Tonight's episode is dedicated to an interview with author Penny Kelly on her book, Robes. Chapter 1. The Premise Penny Kelly was a divorced mother of four when an extraordinary series of events unfolded in her life. Under the impression that she was having a nervous breakdown, she gave a start at seeing a group of little men in her home who wore monastic robes. They seemed to want to communicate with her. At first, she screwed her eyes shut and resisted any urge to interact with what she considered to be a hallucination. The little men went away. Penny thought that she had gotten rid of them, and she had for a time. Then, after a distinct interval, they returned. Panicked, she likewise rebuffed their attempts at establishing communication. As with the first time, they vanished. Eventually, they returned, however. It was at this point, at the extremity of her patience, that Penny finally said, What do you want? She imagined that if she finally talked to them, they'd go away. To her shock, they didn't. Instead, they began showing her a series of visions of the future of the world. In them, she was shown images of global turmoil. Institutions that had ruled for centuries were coming unglued. A new managerial state was emerging, run by corporations. The United States began to collapse. To humanity's relief, so did the global corporatocracy running things from behind the scenes. The solution, as it turns out, wasn't revolution but people refusing to participate anymore in a corrupt system, whereby bankrupt corporations were using the facade of government to extract taxes from people to stanch their losses. In the aftermath of social collapse, smaller communities band together and a new decentralized model of the world takes shape. What imparts the force of conviction to these forecasts are certain things that the book predicted decades ago, like vaccine passports, corporations using organized violence in the form of goon squads to advance their interests. And little things, like the future map of the United States that was shown to her, broken up into four regions which looked remarkably like Soviet analyst Igor Panarin's map of the likely disintegration of America. With that, first, let me express my gratitude, Penny, for your stopping by today. Um, Did I miss anything in the summary? Any synopsis I could attempt wouldn't give it justice. So do you want to try a synopsis of your own?
1: Um, whoa, that synopsis. Well, that's a synopsis of the whole planet. I'm not sure I can do a good job with that. But um, basically, um, there was, a, there was a, an avalanche of information that came in, a huge portion of that coming from these little men in brown robes. I know that sounds so hokey, (laughs) but uh, that's the truth. They would appear in my kitchen or my living room or my yard and they would say, we have some pictures we want to show you. And I would look at the pictures and at first it wasn't real smooth, but then I thought maybe they would go away if I did look at the pictures. And they continued to visit for I'm gonna say 16 to 18 visits. And um, and then each time they came, I would see something different about the world, some other aspect. Uh, so the first thing was about the planet. The next thing was about uh, government uh, in the US breaking up. And then the next thing was about leadership and what we needed to look for in leadership. And then there were whole visits that focused on Um, health, on relationships, on sex, on education, on spirituality, on coming technology and what we could do with it. Um, It was just kind of a mind blowing period uh, for me and, and I was really grateful when it ended because I didn't have a very good context I could put all of that into. This was 1981, 80 and 81 um and about 92 1992 they came back and they said we want you to write that down people need to see where you're going and i did not want to write that down um and it took me about five six years to get it all written and then uh they said okay now publish it and i did not want to publish it i i said i don't like this kind of book um and that really ended up with some sort of there were several little miracles that happened here at the farm and so funny. i said okay i'll publish it i published 20 books that was it that was as far as i was going to go with this like okay i did my i did my deed i published and the result was that first 20 books went uh, like wildfire and i ended up thinking well okay Maybe this will be helpful to people to see what's going to happen and why, because there was a huge amount of information as to why each thing was going to occur, what led up to it, um, and what would be the outcome of that or the, the best outcome of that. And so I ended up publishing it and for probably 30 years now it has just been um, kind of a, like a constant thing. It's um, absolutely zero advertising. At first, I didn't even want to put my name on it. Um, but it has taken off all over the world. So um, I really have had to kind of step back and say, okay, yeah, this this is something that we really, I didn't think it would, I didn't think it could get as bad as as they showed me it was going to get. Now I'm looking at that and saying, uh oh, I'm I'm concerned. I'm really concerned. Yeah.
0: Well, one of the things that um, jumped out at me when I was reading it. Well, two things. Uh, One was the the machine elves or whatever they're called, the little men in robes who visited you, um, they, they had you read Alvin Toffler's The Third Wave. And what's interesting about that is if you look at some of my presentations, I cite The Third Wave numerous times. So that jumped out at me. So, you know, that book was put in our path for both of us. Um, and, uh, you know, for the audience, that's a, a book written by futurist, uh, Alvin Toffler, and he, you know, is a great historian as well. And he describes, you know, kind of sociological phenomena, institutional power and stuff like that. And so the the intelligences, the entities that spoke to Penny basically said, you know, for you to understand, you know, for, for you to have a primer on, on what's going on, you know, read this guy. The second thing after, you know, my jaw dropping about uh, Toffler, our our commonality with Toffler, was some of the stuff that you got right um, way back then, or I should say they got right. Um, This is a quote I'm just going to read right out of the book on page 37. It says, in the final days, although there may be some violence and anarchy, it will not be those troubles so much as it will be health that becomes the last straw for your ailing government. We will deal with the issues of health in more detail later on, but for now, we will say that all over the world, many will die of starvation or malnutrition. There will be plagues, both old and new, that arise, and many will die outright from these. There will come a time when your children will also be so ill and your old people so sick and degenerated that those in the middle years will have great difficulty carrying on. Stretched to the limit, they will be ...unable to find the time and energy to work for a living because they are bravely trying to nurse the fevered children, care for and comfort the old ones, bury the dead, and keep themselves well enough to keep going. The government will try to pass laws that provide care for everyone, but this will be one of those cursed-if-you-do, cursed-if-you-don't situations. If the law is passed, it will bankrupt the remains of the governmental bank account much faster and bring about a quicker end, for they will not have anticipated the seriousness of the decline in overall health among their people. Later, they will complicate things even more by trying to pass laws to demanding optimum levels of health, how to achieve this, and the need to prove you have good health before you can enter public and even private places. So you were describing vaccine passports. I mean, this this was insane. No one would have believed that. And, like, we saw this unfold in real time. And some people think that, you know, well, this is, you know, easing up a little bit. COVID is is winding down. But now they're talking about invoking it again with monkeypox. And they're talking about invoking it again with, you know, any, any other things down the road. Like, COVID was basically the pretext to embed the infrastructure so that now they can do it more easily going forward and i I just wanted to play a clip for you um this is a gentleman named edward dowd and he he worked for um for blackrock which is the big you know investment management firm and um so let me let me just play what he says as we look forward for the next month or so or two months you know into the markets and what's going to happen news wise You just have to understand that the central bankers and politicians have bankrupted the world. And a lot of the things you're going to see in the media are distractions to cover that. And COVID was a convenient excuse to cover the implosion of uh, the the credit system. So a lot of the things you see in the news are distractions. This this recent monkeypox nonsense, they're going to try to gin it up. And I I suspect they're going to try to uh, lock down the... um, the economy right before the elections. So that's Edward Dowd's take on it. And he's been very, um, he's been a good critic following the uh, Pfizer reports and all of the the backstory. As an investor, um, he's been basically blowing the whistle on, you know, what he considers uh, a blatant hoax and, you know, like a, a, a phenomenal lapse in judgment on the part of the uh, global governments. But that, that was one of the things, too, that stuck with me from your book, that it went into my DNA. I, like, I, I eat, live, and breathe this now. Like, in the book, you said that the church would be running things for 1,500 years. Um, after the church, as an organizing principle in society, then it would be the nation-state. And then after the nation-state for 500 years, then corporations would rise up and start to take over. And um, one of the things that, that jumped out at me as well was that you even mentioned, that corporations would start to hire thugs to go around and beat people up as the as the society started winding down, um, and I was looking at like you know the, all the corporations that were funding Antifa or Black Lives Matter, you know, and there were like I mean hundreds right. and hundreds of corporations, you know, having these goon squads go around and, and beating people up, setting buildings on fire, burning that just like you were were describe, you know, just, just like the the entities had described to you It was very phenomenal.
1: Yeah. You know um w- let me back up just a step when was that uh excerpt by Edward Dowd when did he put that out Is
0: that um, recent? yeah just recent just within the last uh, couple days
1: okay oh wow <laughs> okay um i hadn't heard that and uh, and then i i just want to say that that whole um business of hiring thugs got to be, what I saw was it got to be really, really, really serious. And nobody did want to come out of their house by the time we get to midterm elections, um, between the fear of the latest uh, monkeypox or the latest, you know, illness threat, uh, however they want to pose that, and the violence that's happening, people are afraid to go shopping, they're afraid to go to church. they're afraid to go to the gas station, even they're afraid to go anywhere that there are other people because all of that chipping has allowed a real time tracking of where have people gathered, and that and then there are squads of people that come and um and make trouble, they start fights they um, they're rabble rousers and they are, that gets people scared. They get people shooting. And cause a lot of people are carrying guns. And the result is that by the time we get to, um, midterms, nobody's willing to go out. And there are some people being kidnapped and taken away to detention centers on the pretext that they have proven to be not healthy. In between that and and all of the other crap going on it just doesn't the midterms don't happen in the way that they that people are thinking they would happen and i think um donald trump and a whole bunch of people in the what i'll call the the side that is hoping things are going to go back to normal that group of people is hoping that it'll all settle out after the midterms, that there'll be a lot of Republicans that will be elected. They're going to make a huge difference in terms of what's going on in the country. But what I see is that those um, those midterms don't happen. Nobody goes out to vote. It becomes an illegitimate vote, and the result is um, not good after that.
0: Yeah, you you said that, too, in the the book, that the people who were essentially trying to hold on to the old system, um, that their hopes kind of, you know, that that paradigm that that ontology dies with them as they age and get older, like, nope, like the younger generations uh, have been conditioned to the new system. And so they're not really for like, you'll see, you you see these college kids at Yale, and they're holding up signs saying, you know, uh, abolish free speech, free speech is hate speech, like these, these concepts, these basic Baseline concepts that their parents and grandparents and great grandparents and great great grandparents believed in and fought and died for—they're absolutely, you know, like opposed to to all sorts of freedom, to all sorts sorts of you know self determination, autonomy, sovereignty. They don't want any of it. They've been conditioned from the time that they're little kids. They go into these schools that are like prisons that are that are usually built by the same contractors that literally build prisons. They eat food that is literally the same food that is in prisons. They they get you know uh, patted down. They go through metal detectors you know they have these broken you know dead-eyed looks you know like a prisoner staring at their shoes as they walk they don't make eye contact and so they've been habituated to being you know serfs you know to not being free people and 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 in fact to being afraid of freedom to being told well if there's freedom racists will take over and hitler and freedom will you know states rights will lead to to slavery and you know so they so they're very very opposed to the old paradigm of, of of a free people and independent people
1: Yeah, and I think they don't understand how much their perception has been manipulated, how much they have been um, not shown the the possibilities and the realities of an open consciousness, a powerful consciousness. That's not where they're at. And it's really tragic that they are going to End up going through a really rough period um, as that wake as they wake up to that. Um, there's still the old phenomena. This is an old-fashioned term. Life begins at forty. Um, that used to refer to the fact that by the age of forty. People who had grown up in whatever system they grew up in, got married, got jobs, had children, paid for houses, did all the stuff that was considered uh, "quote unquote" normal. Uh, by the time they were forty, realized, and this is something that my parents said to me long ago, and they were just simple farmers, um, that they were um, they were tired of pretending that they were tired of not being who they really were. And I think there's going to be a, what I'll call a, a, you know, life begins at 40 moment, but it's probably going to come a little earlier. And, and that same dynamic happens because human beings are programmed, their consciousness unfolds in a certain way. And if it doesn't, it destroys itself. And that's the nature of what we are. That's the nature of reality. You either nurture life or you nurture death. And that's all there is. And so that your path that you're on, you have to look down that path and see that everything you're doing nurtures life. If it isn't doing that, then you are on the wrong path and you're headed toward death. And it typically is gonna come much sooner because of the nature of consciousness and the fact that your body is listening. And if all you're doing is telling yourself, you can't do this and you can't do that, and you can't say this and you can't say that, the body is listening and it then responds in accordance with that. I can't, I can't, I can't. And it, sh- it begins shutting down. And that's a principle that is not well understood by the huge majority of people out there. But it's very, very powerful, and it's a huge lesson. It's, uh, it's a sad lesson.
0: Chapter two: speculation. Well, one of the things too that that I found very profound in your work was the uh, the, the statement that when the church existed as an organizing principle for society, that there was a spiritual component. People could express, you know, kind of a spirituality, a vibrational frequency. Like, for instance, if their life was hard, they could say, oh, well, I'm doing this for God, right? There was some spiritual component. Later on, when the nation state comes, that gets constrained a little bit, but there was still a spiritual outlet because you could say, okay, well, I'm suffering, but I'm doing this for patriotism. I'm doing, there's, there's this higher goal, right? I, I, I can suffer, you know, but my children will do better or, or my neighbors, my community, right? But as the nation state falls and corporations take over, what is the 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 the, the call to arms? You know, let's do this for Walmart, <laughs> let's let's do this for Apple and <laughs> I. So there's no spiritual component, and the kids who are growing up now, they do not have a spiritual. They don't believe in God. They they consider themselves sophisticates. Oh, I'm I'm you know that's been debunked, and and they're just little materialists, and so they 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 very like like think of it like the in the Constitution we're given spiritual values. We're not promised commodities. We're promised freedom. We're freedom of speech, privacy, you know, like due process. These are all intangible things. These are all spiritual things. Whereas like Marxism promises you commodities. It promises you material things, material goods. And a lot of these young people, they want material. They're willing to trade away freedom. They're willing to trade away the intangibles because they don't have a spiritual component. And and millions of them, have you heard this phenomenon where they don't have an internal uh, monologue? Where, Where we were used to, we can think in our heads. We can read a novel and envision things. We can picture they They don't have that, you know. And and that I've done uh, two two presentations on that, and it just it blows my mind the fact that they do not have an internal monologue. They don't have that still calm inner voice that we used to call a conscience. You know that that links us to God or or to something higher than ourselves, and it's it's very you know alarming. Yeah,
1: yeah it is. That's the essence of the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> so. Um, you end up with, uh, and, and that actually, that's why, you know, I've been teaching for 40 years now. I actually left my job as an engineer at Chrysler, went back to school to study the brain, the mind, consciousness, perception, cognition, all that stuff, because I had to know what the heck is going on with my consciousness, that I have no boundaries, and I can see into the future and I can I know what people are thinking you know all this stuff that was really really uncomfortable for me there's I had no training and no teaching as to how do you deal with that how do you think about that how do you sleep the other thing about consciousness is it's always on it's never off we go to bed at night consciousness goes off to do other things and we get up in the morning and say oh I had a dream You can escape this particular reality system, but you can't escape the matrix of the self, which is a whole assortment or arrangement of frequencies, and frequencies are consciousness.
0: That's No, that's very profound, and it leads into what I wanted to ask you as well. You mentioned frequencies, and that was one of the things that the uh, little men in the robes said to you all those years ago. They they basically said that um, the... Organizational, you know, structure of the society, as I alluded to before, when it was under the church, there was a vibrational frequency that the people could give off, give off, right, and it, it fed the earth. There was there was a, a back and forth, right, um, and this lessened a little bit with the nation state, and it's lessening, you know, very much more so in our consumerist, materialist society where there's no spiritual outlet at all, and uh, so so the the little men told you that the system is under such stress that if you keep going on this path, you know, that, you know, shutting off frequencies, manipulating frequencies, messing things up that the earth itself will, you know, possibly, you know, react by, you know, unleashing a cataclysm to kind of reset us. Um, but one of the, one of the things that, that reminded me of was, um, I wanted to touch on, on a couple points here. Was the uh, the fact that human beings we've been we've literally been manipulating frequencies uh, lately? Whether it's the harp system, whether it's five G blanketing yeah. the planet with all these satellites, it's changing the Schumann resonance, the resonant frequency of the Earth. You know, and and there, and there's people um, like there's there's a uh, DARPA programs about you know can we control human beings through these frequencies? Can we manipulate them? Um, you make them basically slaves. And so that there, there's a, a group of hardcore group of technocrats who they they want to use these technologies not to free people but to enslave them to make little robots non-playable characters and uh, one of the things let me see I have some notes here and I wanted to to touch on this because it leads into another thing that you pointed out in the book you were talking about something very profound and this stayed with me as well Um, you were talking about plants the nature of plants and that plants have a frequency a vibrational frequency and we have been in in a materialistic age since the 1600s Um, Since the the, uh, emergence of what we would consider, you know, science Um, and science, you know, as opposed to alchemy, alchemy believed in frequencies, alchemy believed in fields. And one of the things when I was studying uh, Isaac Newton with my daughter was when Isaac Newton proposed uh, the, the existence of a gravitational field, he was denounced by the Royal Society for promoting alchemy, for promoting pseudoscience. They said, oh, what you're describing is influence at a distance. This invisible field that affects objects, this, this is pseudoscience. Okay, 200 years later, you think that's bad in the 1600s. 200 years later in the 1850s, when Michael Faraday was describing an electromagnetic field, uh, they, he, they, they were, he was told, oh, this is influence at a distance. This is magic. Any, any field, we don't believe in, in field. So they believe, in just particles hovering in a void, right? And there was no fields influencing. Now we believe in fields. Now here's the thing. Um, magic was influenced at a distance, was fields, right? Was the idea, the con- concept that fields, these invisible fields could manipulate things. And so there was a, a gentleman named Charles Fort in the, in the 1890s. And Fort said that, that science is getting now to the point where it is the systematization of magic. In other words, fields, right? So now they're using fields to manipulate people. They're using, uh, they call it magnetic uh, cran- Resonance, where they're they're using magnetic fields, and it can actually change your your moods, your perceptions. They, there's an article that the Guardian had that said that they can they can turn off your belief in God, they can turn off your fear of migrants, you know, by by subjecting you to these fields. And they're very you know hell bent on on creating this system of, of where the blanket is is you know covered in these fields, and all the people are just like little slaves. And it just when I when I was reading robes and and the interdimensionals were talking to you and they were like this is why the system has to crash because you're you're choking off the actual energy that the earth requires that that, that, that's, that the system needs you know and uh you know if, if you don't stop there's going to be bad things
1: yeah exactly you know um you raised a number of points there so let me just kind of address uh some of those the planet um raises The planet gives everything she has to raise a population that she hopes will then step into their own power to manipulate those same fields that they're made of, that everything is made of, enough to take the whole system eternal. That's the planet's goal. That's her dream. That's her wish. When that doesn't happen and there is not... A giving off of what I'm going to call the what what ends up happening is that the the energies don't go anywhere they don't um, they don't move out from the planet so it builds up in the planet and that results in a huge disruption to the fields that stabilize the planet. When you think about here we have this ball of dirt and water and mud. Just floating in space. What's holding that? What's she's got a waistline, or waistline is twenty-four thousand miles in diameter, in uh, circumference. So what is, what are the forces there? There, those forces are incredibly powerful, and they are the same forces that we exist with and through. So the planet is in communication with us, but we're not in communication with it. And so she gives everything she's got. And when things build up to a certain point, then the relationship ends and the planet rolls or she bobbles around that was what the robes showed me um that was the very first thing they showed me and it was so disturbing i thought these guys are nuts i'm out of here and then i'm i'm watching you know the the planet and the waves the ocean is you know bouncing around and it's wrecking everything on the coastline and it was really just um it was pretty shocking. It was uh, not encouraging. And uh, and they said, as you look at this, ask yourself, what is the best way to uh, get the kind of power you're trying to get, which they were referring to electricity. And I later understood, which I did not put in the book, that they were talking about how do you get to the power that's embedded in each one of you? That's where the real power is. That's the power of consciousness because consciousness is able to manipulate fields, period. Hands down. So that whole thing about the planet bobbling around in space and causing all kinds of uproar is a real concern. Um, the next thing that you brought up that I think is really critical is it has to do with um, back in the day, religions talked about spirituality and spirit and why did they call it spirit because they couldn't see it it was like breath something's happening there but we don't know what exactly we're just going to call it spirit and so fields are the same thing as spirit and when spirit moves the field moves When spirit reorganizes, the field reorganizes, the consciousness changes, the health changes, the perception changes, everything changes. And I think the thing, we have to make this step. Those kids who were, you were mentioning that said, oh, that whole God thing, that's been debunked. It's the development of the human that is critical. And that's where the quote saving grace is. Um, Grace is an old-fashioned term that just says, we used to say or we used to hear when I was a kid, um, you could be favored by grace, the grace of God, and nobody ever said what that was or what that meant or how it worked. What it actually means is that you could be in a place where all of a sudden your consciousness affects the entire set of fields around you, and they reorganize and that is called a moment of grace. It's when the energies of your local area or yourself synchronize. Well, it's just that simple. Well,
0: okay, this gets back to two points. One was when you were talking about the true nature of plants, um, which I alluded to before, yeah. where plants are actually like, like little plants plugs in the earth the earth is a, is a charged particle the the plants are like a wire so they're vibrating at a particular resonant frequency and these plants when, when you pull them out and you eat them they can actually fix you know uh, dissonant you know frequencies in yourself and they, they kind of realign you and when when you t- when you don't understand that the majority of what they're doing is based on frequencies and you because you can't see a frequency can't smell it can't taste it can't touch it so so what they did you know in medical material, was they totally ignored frequencies, right? Like, like with Isaac Newton or, or yes. Fa- Michael Faraday, and they were like, "Oh, it's what I can see." So, so chemistry took took place. So, for instance, willow bark. Willow bark could, you know, help you with your headache, right? So, you synthesize willow bark. You take it from a tree. You turn it into aspirin. You kill the plant. You get rid of all the frequencies. So now you have this very diluted, you know, like pill that has a fraction of the efficacy of the original plant. That if you would eaten the original plant, it would have been so much more efficacious. But now we have this stripped down. Down version, you know, this pharmaceutical version, which is probably like 0.5% of the efficacy of the actual plant in its in its normal state, and you were making that point, but you also made a point that's kind of related to that somewhat. You said that there was a second, or you didn't say this, they said this to you, that there was a second... Um, aspect to sex that when people have sex one of the aspects was procreation of course which is self-evident but another one that isn't mentioned is frequencies that you when you you have something wrong with you and you, your frequency can can come into alignment it can be set reset to, to its devo- default setting and you get healthy again which gets back to what you just said what is grace grace is when your your frequency your field gets reset and you get you know you get fixed by by those resonant frequencies so i i found all of what you said it it kind of held together as one larger cohesive worldview, this, this philosophy where all these different elements really did kind of align and it, and it had yeah. the force of conviction you know re, re, you know where I'm concerned. You know.
1: Yeah, let me let me correct one thing you said or add to your perception or understanding. When you you use the example of willow bark and you know companies taking the bark, you said they get rid of all the frequencies. You can never get rid of all the frequencies, okay? What you do is you you take if you're focused only on chemistry, and we have been focused mostly on chemistry for a very long time now um what scientists and biochemists and all those people tried to do was to replicate the structure of the particles and their relationships in you know in in any kind of solution or some kind of substance that they were trying to synthesize so they weren't aware of the frequency part of it the So going back to the, this is a physics question, Um, is it a wave or is it a a particle? Um, What turned out in that whole uh, physics debate was that the wave produces the particle which blinks on and then blinks off and blinks on and off. And it blinks on and off at a rate of something in the, millions of times per second, or maybe it's billions or trillions. It's a lot. And so what we have are all these frequencies that are all jammed together, producing their uh, particles and the particles come on. And they, they have a certain amount of charge around them. And every single particle has a North pole and a South pole. And because energy, it's on the way on the frequency wave, and that is the axis. Um, and so those particles, then, because they have a charge, organize themselves according to the charge. You've seen, you know, uh, things where you put some filings on a uh, a piece of paper, and then you run a magnet under it, and all the particles organize and reorganize depending on where you put the. The magnet. Mm-hmm. It's that same principle. So you never get rid of all of the frequencies. What we do is take away a whole bunch of frequencies, all of the cofactors that boost themselves as a power unit, and we just strip out a few frequencies that we think are the critical piece, ignoring all the cofactors, and then we say, here, take your pill.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I was thinking I should have used the term muffled. They muffle frequencies. Like if you if you You're take, if, will your toaster work if you unplug it from the wall? And the answer is no. Right. So so you have this, you have, you have this appliance and, and the appliance interacts with an energetic field called electricity. If you unplug it, it doesn't work. Even though you have the physical, it's kind of like a dead right. body is a corpse. A corpse without a soul is just, is just like a, an appliance unplugged from a wall. And likewise with these, this, this concept, because we're like very, we're very animalistic in the sense right. of we're very visual. Right. Right? So if we can see it, that, that 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 little molecule that we can see, that's what we think is all 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 that's there, and we're not aware of all the stuff around it.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, you and got that, it. And that's, that's
0: the super difference super. between alchemy and chemistry. Alchemy was actually superior because it actually recognized the fields plus the the material. Right. That there was That's an interaction, right. and now, like you know, like like science, basically, for for 400 years, science abandoned that. But now you're right; they're they're coming back to it. But here's the problem that I'm seeing is that basically they're they're people, and I I I deal with this all the time. I read a lot of this literature. I've, I've narrated audiobooks by transhumanists, right? And so the transhumanists are very wow. aware of these of these fields. They're very aware of of what used to be called magic, right? A lot, right. but a lot of these people are very dark a lot of these people openly call like i, I narrated an audiobook by a gentleman named J- Jason Razzo giorgiani and he said well the rest of the transhumanist community wants to kill 90% of the planet i want to kill 99% of the planet oh, so that only right. only the, the most evolved of us can can continue on so these are the people who are who are conscious of the fields and they're using the fields to turn you into a slave they're turning using the fields so they're very they have this very so so what what we have here is this this dichotomy where i was talking to a, a Friend of mine who was a, a Baptist, a devout Baptist, and I was talking to her about the Holy Spirit because I do believe, like I, in fact, I was talking to her about your book, in fact, and 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 she's of that bet, Oh, it's demons! It's got to be demons, and she's getting tricked. And I, I was like, No, I don't think so, because I I still do believe that what Christianity called Holy Spirit is is real. I believe that, and I believe it never went away. And I don't think that there, even in even in the Bible in the Book of Acts. It doesn't talk about it ever going away. So even even our institutionalized religion has become this materialistic thing where they no, they no longer believe in in spirit and they're just sitting there in a pew and they think that it's a it's a social club mm-hmm. and they think that it, the church is there for bingo and socializing no it's supposed to be there about spirit it's supposed to be you know and so you have the Christians who've been unplugged from the Holy Spirit, and then the, the people who take it up are the, these Luciferian types who very much believe in fields, who very much are pursuing that, you know, but they're doing it for, for negative ends, and it, it's really disconcerting to me.
1: Right. Demon energy is just energy that destroys life instead of nurturing. So that's really the bottom line um and and i want i want to go back to the whole subject of sex for a minute if we can um i don't want to i knew you graphic, would that was one of the things that uh the little man in brown robes said was that we really needed to understand that sex was a healing mechanism and it was a mechanism by which the frequency matrix of the human was restored um that that was such a shock to me at the time that I heard it, I wasn't gonna put it in the book, but it was an integral part of that whole section on frequencies and, and I had a whole bunch of training on the subject of frequencies from them. And that, uh, I did not put those in the book, but I, uh, those were very masterful experiences. And I understood um, because they were experiential, how frequencies worked. And then I spent 15 years working with Dr. William Levengood in his laboratory in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And that taught me the rest of the, what I needed to understand about plasma. So I studied plasma physics with him. We, he did all kinds of experiments and, um, you know, we collaborated on a lot of stuff involving consciousness and uh, plasma and frequencies. And we we just were touching what I would call the tip of the iceberg, but there are others out there, the bad boys that you're just talking about. They are miles ahead of that whole of that whole scientific aspect that has to do with frequencies. So I think we're going to have to play catch up, number one, and we're going to have to let go of some of the... Uh, what I'm going to call the naivete of thinking there's someone out there to take care of you. The someone out there is yourself. Those who don't do that are not, I didn't, it's going to be, well, I don't want to (laughs) say, sorry.
0: (laughs) Chapter three, Conclusion. Let's uh, just to to recap here, uh, as as we start winding down, I just wanted to just for the audience's sake, um, what the book basically covers so far as I understand it uh, in my memory um, is that you were going through a rough time, uh, you were going through emotional duress. You had gone through a divorce. You had yeah. had several children. You were struggling financially, so you were you were under much much stress. So at first you thought that these entities that had visited you were figments of your imagination, that you were having a nervous breakdown. Um, you weren't into it, but but the things that they were telling you, they were giving you a succession of events that were going to unfold, and one of these was what we alluded to before regarding you know the the our society had been ruled by the church for 1500 years. Then it was the nation state for 500 years. Then corporations would do it for maybe 50 years at the outside before total collapse happens. And they said that a lot of this happened because of the, there was no spiritual outlet. Now that the human beings were becoming kind of, you know, dumbed down and cut off from, from their power and their energy. And this was affecting, you know, the, the, the structure of the planet and that this wouldn't be allowed. And, um, this kind of gets to what I was saying before. How we're being encouraged, like there's 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 this growing you know dichotomy where the bad guys are are studying this stuff and they're 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 weaponizing it. They are you know like like Charles Fort, the quote I said before, the systematization of magic, right? Where they're they're using fields, you know, like uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, quantum mechanics, like quantum entanglement and stuff with the fields, the vibrational fields, and uh, that the, Einstein famously said, you know, he called uh, quantum mechanics, you know. Spooky influence at a distance, which is magic. Influence at a distance, you know. So, so they're, (laughs) they're, yeah, they're, 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 they're they're systematizing this. Whereas the other people are told, they're, they're being lied to and being dumbed down and being told, oh, no, the sophisticated thing is there's no fields, there's no God, there's no spiritual dimension. You are just, you know, like an animal who eats and and breathes and excretes, and that's it. And that's all. And, And meanwhile, the, 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 the people who are running the society don't believe any of that. The people who are running the society are actually taking all of this. Extremely seriously, seriously, they're they're funding it. The trillions of dollars in, in research programs, DARPA programs, university programs, so that they can get this down, so that they can manipulate people with frequencies. I I was uh, uh note. I was wondering. This is my personal kind of conspiracy theory. I was wondering. If what they're doing right now with, uh, you know, kind of gene therapies that they're giving people and people are finding graphene oxide and all these conductive materials that are being injected into people's bodies. And, you know, if 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 that allows them to be manipulated even better through radio frequencies, if you have this metal, there was a gentleman in the 1940s named Jose Delgado and he worked for the CIA. He was at Yale and uh, he created the Jose Delgado devices. Um, you may have heard of them. You know, he called it a stem put in in the brain of a bull and the bull charged him famously he was on the news he presses a button the the the, the radio frequency controls the bu- bull's neurological system it shuts the bull down right and so they they've been studying this for you know 70 years now where where we if we can get you know uh, f- devices in people then we can manipulate them with frequencies and, you know, and so, and so the, the the technology has gone apace. You know, it's very sophisticated. And now you don't need a palm-sized stem receiver. Now it's nanoparticles. They can inject you with nanoparticles. They can That's pick right. up these frequencies. Yeah, so they're getting extremely sophisticated. And they're, they're starting to roll it out now. And so basically what, you know, what the, the robe people were telling you was that basically, if, if we don't stop this, then the earth is going to step in to stop it because it's, it's getting destructive. And, and the, the earth needs our resonant frequencies. The earth needs our spirituality. These people you are closing it. it off.
1: You got it. Very good. Yeah. Um, one of the things that they emphasized again and again, um, you know, this was not my kind of thinking back then. Uh, I I joke around, but it's not really much of a joke. I didn't really read anything other than romance novels back then, <laughs> and and go to work and do my job and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I wasn't, I didn't care about the earth. I didn't care about the people. I didn't care about what was happening politically. I didn't care about, I didn't see it. I I never looked at it. And and what they said was, that is the problem. That is an immature state. You are responsible for your reality system. And the reason your system is going to collapse is because you have not matured. And that whole business of growing up, taking responsibility, means taking your own power in hand. And they, they were very clear about that being the goal. I was, even though I didn't understand it right when they were telling it to me, later I began to understand. Later, it took 17 years for me to figure out, oh, that's what, that's what this is about. Oh, that, oh, 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 oh. Um, so that whole maturity thing is a big issue. We have to grow up and grow up fast. So we have to come to a place where we grow up, where we look around, where we see the world as it is, and we take responsibility for what we are creating. And people sitting back, waiting for the whole thing to go back to normal, um, I have to say they're going to be the cause of the whole thing collapsing because they take no responsibility and no action. Now, they may think they're taking responsibility for not bringing violence, not doing this, not getting upset, not getting ahead of the game. I've heard a few people use that term, but they aren't taking their own power in hand. They aren't taking responsibility for what's happening. No. They're waiting for it to, for somebody to do something. Yeah,
0: that's exa- That's exactly the point. Uh, you know, when you outsource your agency to uh, the Catholic Church, yeah. as an example, or you out, outsource it to a, a nation state, and you're like, oh, they'll take care of me. They'll, you know, I, I can just sit on my couch and they'll do it. And they're, they're like, uh, John Stuart Mill talked about that in Considerations on Representative Government in 1861. He said that a republic requires an active populace. Right. So you have to vote. You have to do jury duty. You have to be active in your community. He said in a despotism, however, all that is required of you is to be passive. And he, even, right. and he and even describes. He said, "What what is an active person?" He says, "An active person is somebody who, when he sees something wrong with himself, he changes it. A passive yeah. person, when they see something wrong with themselves, they blame others for the for the thing." And so I'm looking at like the, the young people right now, and they're told, "Okay, well, if your life isn't going well, that's because the patriarchy, men, have held you down. Or if things aren't going for you, what you know, well, it's because the whitey, whitey guy." <laughs> yeah. And they're being taught this is this is passivity training, and this is the training oh. for a populace of serfs in a in a in An authoritarian state, and that's basically where we're heading. But the good news is just for the audience listening to this, the good news. Is that the collapse will basically preclude? We're coming toward a, a systemic collapse. Uh, they, the the robes guys saw foresaw um, that the United States would initially break up into like four regions, and then it'll break up even further. On the other side of the collapse, will be communities reconstituting called families. They'll they'll call themselves, and there might be up to two hundred people, or sometimes two thousand people, but they'll be very like small city states, like we had in Athens. You know, so it's a much more natural, you know, organic. Uh, organizational structure rather than these big behemoth centralized organizational structures that no longer are responsive to the people inside of them. And in fact, are antipathetical to the people. You know, they want them dead. They want population reduction, you know. So when your government starts talking about population reduction, about, you know, reducing its citizens, then your your government has gone off track, you know, and, and so l- luckily, collapse is coming. That will be hard. But on the other side of that, what you were, what you the vision that you were shown was that there, there might be a, uh, spiritual renaissance you
1: know i yeah not only that i think the big failing from my point of view is that yeah we have a whole bunch of problems that we have evolved into and instead of looking at those and saying let's go beyond we're saying how do we go back how do we? How do we restore what was? And that's not the proper way to look at it. They said your your biggest issue is going to be people that are driving forward, looking in the rearview mirror. You can't get anywhere doing that.
0: That's a brilliant and, metaphor.
1: Yeah, and that was something that stuck with me. Just, I, I, I over and over, I've thought, oh my gosh. Um, and so I've been busy, you know, writing this last year or two, putting out other stuff that says, hey, how about this? When your consciousness is no longer fettered by the kind of humanity consciousness that is so common that it, it, that it doesn't go anywhere, doesn't have any capacity, then you don't see what's possible. And that, I think, is what I've been trying to share is this is what I want and this is what I know and this is what I think and this is what I've experienced and this is. So we have a lot of work ahead of us and that work is going to be envisioning what's possible, not going back to say, how do we fix this? It's how do we evolve this? How do we go forward into something even better? What have we learned from where we're at? And if we don't start asking that soon, we're not going anywhere. We're just going to go down.
0: No, that's, that's a great point. I wanted to ask you to, uh, really quickly. Um, I I had a friend who I gave your book to and the friend was just as impressed as I was, uh, in a life changing way. Um, and I don't, I don't usually, I'm not saying that to flatter you, but yeah, everybody who's read your, your work, uh, it's had the same effect so far as I've seen. Um, but he, he asked, um, This is the question he wanted me to ask you. Certain people have predicted that there will be a reverse migration from the West. Have you seen any visions of floods of people rushing back to Latin America, as an example, from the United States? You know, do do you you think that something like that is going to happen as the system breaks down?
1: Yeah, I have seen that. Um, There are two things that really struck me when I was with the robes. I have continued to look to see... Have we changed it? Because reality is dynamic. You get enough consciousnesses working together, you can change some things. And when you can't change it, you have to prepare. And, and so those are the choices. But in the looking to see, have we managed to get enough consciousness together to change the trajectory? No, not yet. Um, it's over, well, from next April forward through. Th- 30 2032 um it really it's there's a lot of stuff happening with the planet um there's water in strange places that would never had water before uh there are there are very fewer there's a lot fewer people um there's a lot of uh what i'll call small shifts in the land masses real small nothing massive um like the world rolling over, um, but they're just as effective when you have and the planet is always renewing and restoring herself, always. Um, so land rises and land falls. And that's something that we have not admitted that what do we do? We, oh, it's climate change. We got this climate change and, and our land is sinking, We're going under. Well, that's normal. What other land is rising? Um, the land in the over by Yellowstone is rising. Oh, it's the volcano. Yeah, maybe it is, but it's still rising. Other places have the sea floor has been tracked just in the last year, rising a thousand feet down by Australia. That's huge. So we need to understand that the planet is alive and land moves around and it rises and falls and water moves around and gets shallow or deep or disappears altogether. Um, That's the nature of life. And I think we need to live much more lightly and in a much more mobile fashion in order to be ready to deal with whatever is coming our way and there are periods and we're in one of those periods where there's a lot of shifting going on this is meant to be a a period of big shift but um, at the very least there will be little shifts and i see those starting next year so uh just be be um live lightly make wise choices
0: and with that i think i'll end the interview here It's a good place to draw to a conclusion. I'd like to thank our guest, Penny Kelly, whose website, ConsciousnessOnFire.com, is a great place to see her work. You can also buy her book, Robes, online or at any fine bookstore. And I'd like to thank our listeners for stopping by. As for me, I'm Daniel Natal, and I'll see you next time on Under the Iceberg.